This is Brian Bailey from Charlottesville, Virginia, and I'm joined with Mark Sweeney from Windermere, Florida. We are your guides to this episode of In the Hunt. We are going to bring clarity to this complex game of golf and help you reach your next level of performance. So if you're ready to step up your game, join us on The Hunt. Welcome to this week's episode of In the Hunt. This is Brian Bailey here in Charlottesville, Virginia. A beautiful sunny day. We just had tropical something or another, Isaiah or something like that. Isaiah, yeah, whatever. Uh, he came rolling through last night, uh, rained all night, but it's about 75 and sunny and flat out gorgeous. And I'm wasting my time talking to Mark right now indoors. So, Mark, well, how are you doing? The 105 and sunny here. So I will not do anything. I taught a lesson at 9 o'clock this morning and almost melted. So I'm thrilled to be indoors, even though I have to talk to you to do it. That's right. Well, that's why I will never live in Florida. It's too hot. Yeah, I said that too before I moved down here. I still think it's too hot. Uh, I will not live in Florida. I promise <laughs> you that. <laughs> um, so, and it so has today, nothing to do with the culture either, does it? It has nothing to do <laughs> Florida with Florida man. <laughs> Florida man. That's probably my most fun readings during the day. Uh, did you see it's, the one where the guy has, was hanging on the front end of the semi truck? Well, that was Florida? Yeah, that was Florida man. Of course, of course it was. Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> Where else would somebody do something like that? Yeah. Who else would ride nine miles on the front end of a truck trying to, as right. a truck driver trying to swerve them off? Where else? <laughs> Florida. Swerve them. But uh, so we opened up Instagram last week and asked uh, listeners and uh, people affiliated with the GameForge site um, what questions or what kind of topics they wanted us to hit inside of uh, the podcast. So I think the fascinating part is I got about seven or eight really good topics. Um, so we're going to peel one that got the most replies to, and it's more about performance and what drills do you like inside the system for Mark and I. So we'll kind of kind of break through the system and kind of show you what we like to do and how to use it, maybe how to apply it uh, for the player if they don't have a coach or if you're a coach listening, maybe a different way to apply a system or what a, a different training to get the player better. Um, so uh, we'll we'll start to the we'll start greenside and work our way back back to the tee box. So Mark, is there any uh, drill or two or how to apply drills that you'd like to uh, share with the audience? Yeah, I have loads of drills, but I certainly have favorites. Um, and what you have to, you know, a couple of things to keep in mind with drills is don't do drills just to do drills. You know, I see I see a lot of kids out at junior events hitting all their three footers with their earphones in and just pounding away doing something. Um, but it's not necessarily something that's going to help them. So drills should be a response to um, a weakness or maintaining something that you want to maintain. So usually you think about drills as, okay, I've got a weakness somewhere. I've got to improve on a skill level. I'm not hitting a performance metric somewhere, so I've got to do a drill to improve that. So let's either use a drill or design a drill that's going to improve that metric. So in putting, as always, we break it down to, you know, green reading start line, speed control, and then performances, testing, all that stuff. And I love to do performance tests. Um, but if I break it down, you know, for kind of fundamentals, which would be, uh, read, start line, and speed control. Um, everybody I teach aim point to, you know, their, their reads are good after a couple lessons. You know, in the beginning, we're working on reads, but those get pretty good, and it's pretty hard to get your read wrong as long as your process is clean. So then we go to start line drills. Um, start line are pretty basic. I usually do them early. Um, I like hitting kind of, you know, six to 10 foot straight uphill putts because it uh, magnifies the error if you're missing um a little bit left a little bit right the ball will actually peel away from the hole so it'll actually magnify the air so it kind of requires a higher degree of accuracy on your start line 
Um, and I like to just do that and not get much far, much farther back than 10 feet. Cause it's just hard after 10 feet, you can get really good putts at 12 feet and just not make them. It just kind of pisses off the, the student. Um, so I like that. It's just as a check, you know, just, are you starting the ball where you're aimed? Kind of yes or no, real simple. Um, but then for start line, I also like to go and do breaking putts, fairly big breaking putts, left to right, right to left on like a three percenter, just to see if it dramatically changes, which it usually does. Um, so, you know, hitting straight putts only or rulers only, you know, that's only part of the picture. Really got to go check uh, breaking putts also for that. What do you uh, what do you do for start line? Yeah, kind of. Kind of the same thing Mark talks about. Again, I, you know, I always view this as a decision tree inside of training, right? We have an assessment. Certain momentum putts of a certain distance, are we making what we need to? If not, why not? And Mark talked about it, right? Start line, uh, read, speed. Um, I would say disproportionate amount of coaches and players immediately go to start line. I think start line is an important piece. Um, definitely at 9 to 20, we've talked about in the past how important start line is. But I think start line is – overtrained and the belief of having that perfect start line is not true you have to be within a kind of the guardrails of you know less than one degree um, but ideally I think we overemphasize that um, so start line is not one that I, I push a lot with players now if there's somebody drastically kind of like Mark said a, a six you know six to eight feet coming up a hill if they're just missing the cup we, we've got a big issue but if they're making enough yeah. putts um, that's all I kind of do with start line. To me, I think start line gets into technique work. I think yeah. we're always, that's that kind of that, that bridge of getting over technical. Um, probably my favorite start line drill would be uh, on the mark where you put a wet erase marker, dot, a sticker, a coin, like a dime. And I'm just trying to roll it over the top of the dime as it goes in the cup or over that sticker. Again, hitting the center of the cup on a straight putt. Um, to me, is probably the best way to kind of assess a start line. But, yeah, to me, start line is is definitely dangerous because that will definitely take you down the technique road. And then, again, as I'm changing that technique, what am I doing to the other parts? So maybe they're strong at, at, at speed control, but I overemphasize technique and start line and I destroy speed. Um, that, that happens quite yeah. a bit by changing well, motor patterns and, and the way they accumulate power. Well, and frankly, though, you know, the drills we're talking about are not really – designed to necessarily improve start line they're really more of a start line assessment just can you hit your number or not can you hit your within your tolerances or not because if they can't then you then you've either got to change setup or change uh, mechanics or both yeah. right i mean if somebody's lining up straight and they can't hit the hole they've got a mechanics problem now you've got to go work on mechanics then come back so start line is more of an assessment um then, you know one thing i don't like with start line a lot of people love using gates like t gates or you know, middle gates, whatever. I personally hate them because I hate hitting the ball off a off an object when you're trying to putt. I don't mind rolling it and saying, okay, it rolled it rolled right at the line or left of the line rather than under the line, but I really hate hitting stuff. And the other thing I find with the gate is, you know, if you if you put the ball in the same spot and put a gate two feet in front and have people hit it, they'll figure out how to manipulate the ball through the gate. You know, back to back to Garris short term memory looping, they'll just figure it out. You know what I mean? And I don't know if that really improves their start line again they're they're hitting a gate maybe left side and they learn how to block it straight a little bit and then they go back to doing what they're doing so so start line i i, I you know i use as necessary but that's it you know yeah. what i mean like just it's a check it's just a it's, it's a it's just a pit stop you know just hey are we do we look pretty good here if the answer is yes move on done let's get on to the more important things like speed and performance no i agree and, and i think the funny part too is i think a lot of players 
if you don't understand speed and you don't understand read, I think the control side of I understand start line and I can control that. So I'm, I'm a firm believer that I think a lot of people's uh, struggle in putting with, with, with training is they're so dependent on start line because that's kind of the one thing I can understand. And I, and again, like any drill, if you overdo, you can kind of create an issue, you know, yeah. If I'm, you know, if I keep hitting the putt, well, it's not going dead center. Something is wrong. Let me fix it. Opposed to a quick check, it's doing what I do. Or performance drills are going in the hole. We're not even going to address start line. It must be, you must be starting it good enough because we're making putts. So I think, again, I think a lot of that comes with control. If you don't understand the other, the other legs of, of putting, uh, start line is a, is a rabbit hole of all rabbit holes. And you will never, ever get out of it uh, without the help of somebody pulling you away. And I was in that rabbit hole for a lot of years. Yeah, that's a, that's a rabbit hole. That's like starting psychotherapy. You'll never get out of it. You'll be 30 years later. You'll still be in there. They'll still be asking you about your mom. You know what I mean? That's right. <laughs> when you know when you start when you start going down the you know is my face square is my aim square? it's it's just it never ends it never ends you got to move past it at some point that, mark well look what we're doing so wrong we're not like the psychotherapists <laughs> or some of these coaches out there that have these players for multiple multiple years yeah. for years and years and years and they never improve but well, they're chasing that number of that face being uh, no, I digress. <laughs> I think I think that's one more data point of how stupid we are to be short game coaches. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm running my positive negative uh, yeah. flow chart here, everything's I, on the data points showing us we're stupid. So yeah, maybe well, one of these days we'll have a positive. But 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 my wife that's wife's how the, that's how the, the 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 chalkboard is empty right now. <laughs> that's right. My wife says data doesn't lie. Well, there you go. There um, anyway, exactly. um, so, so now we're going to kind of, so now start lines a piece, uh, definitely train it, but don't overdo it. Uh, I think the next, I think the biggest piece that I, I think I can influence the players is on speed control. Um, Cause a lot of players don't understand the concept of stroke length timing or how to control or what is good even. So uh, what, what kind of stuff do you like to see for speed? And then we'll hit read last and give it aim point. And it, yeah, well, read's easy. I mean, read, you just learn aim point and you're fine. You know what I mean? Like read, read is actually, I think, the easiest part about it. Speed, I think, takes the most time to develop because speed is going to be a combination of how they move the putter, how they generate power, how they generate speed. Um, you know, there's, there, there's certainly different ways to move the putter um there's some ways that i prefer over others but i've seen very good putters do it all different ways so you know but like like everything we talk about if somebody moves the putter in a way that prevents them from having good speed uh then we got a way to change the way they move the putter you know if a lot, you see a lot of these juniors who are really short and kind of jabby accelerating and they get a slow putter an uphill putt or slower greens and they just cannot get the ball to the hole like it's just they're just short 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 and then they'll overcompensate jab it even harder and it'll go seven feet past and that to me is a fundamental um, incorrect way or inefficient way to be moving the putter. So that's that's kind of one thing to assess. But I like um, if they're doing that, then we just go back to our raw speed drills. Just is your is your stroke length the appropriate length for the putt we're hitting? Pull out the speed mats. Um, you know, make sure they're not being too short and over accelerating the putter. Um, I don't do that a whole lot, but that's kind of just kind of a base fundamental. Just are you moving the putter in a way that allows you to be successful? Uh, yes or no. Um, one of my favorite speed drills, though, is most people, I think the biggest issue they have, one of the biggest issues they have with speed is they get stuck um, in this idea of linear distance. You know, especially younger players are like the putt, the ball is 15 feet away or they'll step it off and it'll be 15 feet. But we always, but we all know that, you know, 15 feet uphill, downhill, sidehill, they're all 
They don't, not, they don't play the same. They'll play differently, right? And so you want to add a different uh, additional dimension to their speed control, which is understanding the timing of, the, of how long the ball rolls. And I've gotten had massive, big success with players when they start associating a timing of the roll with the length of the putt, then their speed gets way, 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 way better. And so what I really like to do with that is uh, my favorite one recently is a metronome and the metronome is not designed for your stroke. The metronome is designed to count how long it takes for the ball to, from leaving the putter to hitting the hole. So, so we set the metronome at whatever their stroke happens to be, let's say at 72. As soon as they make impact, they just count the beats until the ball reaches the hole. So uphill 20 footer is going to take about six beats. Downhill 20 footer is going to take eight to nine beats, depending on how downhill, how fast the greens are. And then we talk about the effect of green speed, the effect of uphill downhill. But but every time I've done that with a player, their, their dispersion has just gone super tight after that. And they just get it. I'm like, you're late, you're late, you're late. The ball's not getting there in time. Um, and then suddenly we put on the metronome and it's like, bam, 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 bam. And they get it. So I really, really like that drill. Yeah, I love that. I think uh... – I think even uh, in the past, we did timelines uh, yeah. where we, we, you know, basically how long do you think this putt's going to take to get there? A big breaking, snapping putt. And then you predict your time and then you try to hit a stroke to match that time, what you visually kind of laid out your time pattern. And for a lot of players, same thing that, you know, for did it help everybody? No. But for some players, I mean, it completely changed the way that they understood how to how to control time or how to control distance. Um, I, I love that. And I think, again, to me, you know, benchmarking and speed is, pro- I think, the most important. And you know, I, I hit players with this all the time. Take a wedge, right? We're 100 yards away. What, what wedge would you hit and how far would you swing? And they'll be able to tell you, I'd basically swing roughly to this point and we go this distance. Perfect. If I had to go 10 yards further, what are you going to do? Oh, I was just going to change clubs or I will swing here or I'll – Hood the, you know, I'll do something to create that 10 yards. Putting, you're trying to hit it 10 feet. What does that stroke look like? I don't know. No, no, right, no. Let's go to 20 feet. <laughs> exactly. What, what does uh, that stroke look like? I'm going to take it back three inches. I, uh, 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 and I, I don't know. So, <laughs> so I think the fascinating part is, is, you know, I always say when we get to the putting green, the rules of golf don't really change. Now, you know, the club changes, the, 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 the design of the hole changes, you know, you're rolling a ball. But, but again, there's some basic fundamentals you have to have and you have to understand. Um, so I think inside the system where we benchmark 10, 20, 30 is, it's huge just getting you to understand that 80% of all your putts are going to be 30 feet and in, hopefully, ideally, somewhere in that ballpark. So being 30 feet and in is, again, go to densities, do your best work there, but also understanding what a good putt is. I think, I think the 10% rule is by far, I think, the smartest rule I've ever heard in golf once you get 30 feet, three feet short, three feet long, and then 10% for every 10 feet after that, so 40 feet, four long, four short. Again, just understanding that's a good putt, and that's kind of my parameters. Uh, because, again, if you really think about it, we talk P6 uh, conversions at 80-some percent. You know, if you really think about it, if I get out to 60 feet and if I can put it within six feet, you know, there's a – you know, I have more than an 88 or 80% chance of actually saving not three-putting. Uh, if I do that compared to the field, I'm killing them. You know, so yeah. the, that concept of understanding what this 10% rule is and how to train that and just understanding that on long putts, long and short is fine as long as I'm within this zone and then my short putts are good enough to clean it. So I love benchmarking and I love just looking at a player and saying, was that putt good enough? You know, when they're at 40 feet and they lag it to four feet, don't be mad. <laughs> it's okay. That's, that's it's what the best putt. in the world do. It's a good putt. Don't, well, the don't, best players don't. in the world do. They do 10%. You know, you know, don't, 
And it's only one standard deviation. So it means 70% of them are inside 10 feet. It means 30%, sorry, 10%. Means, it means 30% of their putts are outside the 10%. You know what I mean? So you hit it inside 10%, it's, it's a good putt. It's an acceptable putt. That's right. Don't don't go lay down a flag stick and start working on stuff. Don't start yelling at your caddy or your dad or your mom. It's a good putt. Now go go clean it up and go to the next hole. Um, so again, I, I just that concept of understanding speed. I think one is like Mark talked about. You know, if, if you're unable to move the putter correctly, speed is definitely an issue. Um, but it, you know, again, if we're starting to deliver the putter pretty pretty consistently and controlled, we've got to start locking down distances and. And I think it's been fascinating. I know Aimpoint introduced this a couple of years ago. Um, like all thing Aimpoint does, it, you know, the pushback was was mighty and strong. And I got more pushback sudden, on speed than I did on the express rate, believe it or not. But now when I look on all these social medias, I see uh, basically all the stuff that we've been doing in Aimpoint the last couple of years now showing up with people. You know, showing yeah, it's pretty, pretty standard, frankly. <laughs> you know, standard. So, uh, I've gotten really, really used to that. <laughs> um, right. You know, the other, the other speed uh, test I like to do, or I don't know, I don't know if you call it drill or not, but I love putting the, the little um, uh, flat plastic speed strips behind the hole. You know, between yeah. six inches and a foot and a half, and for all their birdie putts, not not their not their uh, lag putts, but for birdie putts trying to get all the misses to finish in that little box behind the hole. And it just shows you how many birdie putts, especially juniors and college players, they leave so many short, like so many of them are short of where they should be. And that really gets them in the mindset of hitting it into, into the correct zone behind the hole when you're really trying to make a putt. Yeah. And, and again, like I said, these are all, you know, you, you think of the legs of what it takes to be a good putter. And then the last one is read. Um, we'll go ahead and do a plug. Um, Kind of, you know, I, I've told the story in the past. How did I find Aimpoint? Well, while I was coaching collegiately, uh, we, we were a good team, but not a great team. We were playing with the best teams in the country. From tee to green, I felt our team outproduced or outperformed. Uh, but by the end of a three-day tournament with a college team, we lost by 25 shots. So basically, we lost roughly Moped. four shots per player per day. Yeah, it was just bad, right? So, <laughs> so that was kind of, you know, that was a great eye-opener for us. And then, you know, we went into the equipment. We went technique uh, and this is when I actually met Mark God it's been a very long time now we started talking with Mark and that was kind of a piece that I think we were missing was nobody could quantify read you know it was like you know we had people on the tv saying you either born with it or you or you don't have it uh you had people it's god given was the famous <laughs> quote it's a god given you have it or you don't I will never yeah. forget I heard that it's the scientific method holds up well with that but <laughs> but again the, that's the I have no other explanation I can't explain it so we're just going to say god didn't give you that tough tough beans it's like well what are you what are you what are you a golf coach for then like uh, you can say that for the full swing right god didn't give you a good full swing go go play tennis yeah no <laughs> you make more money on the range no anyways um but but the concept is again read is actually something that's very quantifiable very easy to learn um i've been teaching Aimpoint for a decade or more same thing you know uh it's to me it's just the easiest way to learn how to read a green correctly, do it quickly, efficiently, and correctly. Uh, there's just no other way to describe it. It's that simple. Um, anything you want to plug uh, via Aimpoint before we well, move on? Well, I mean, my only other plug on that is I literally, and I, I know, I I know a lot about green reading, you know, and and geometry of the green and green design. Not a, I don't know of a single other way to get as good of a read. There just isn't, there just isn't, you know, like I, every once in a while I get a player that comes to me for putting lessons. They're like, well, 
you know, I, I don't, I don't do aim point. I'm like, well, I, your reads aren't good enough. And I don't, I literally can't teach you any better way to read greens than aim point. Like there, there's nothing else I can show you other than go out and just trial and error for the next 10 years. Good luck with that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there just isn't. It's really brutal on majors because those are always moving. It's not like you can, yeah, <laughs> you can go play the same major course except for Augusta. You know, other than that, you're moving around. So it's the chance right. of memorizing break is 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 not a uh, not not the way I'd want to balance yeah. my career. Well, as a as a famous full swing coach said once, good green readers are good green rememberers. That's right. <laughs> But well, that right. those days are over now. Those days are over. And those days oh, are over. Well, I guess the the final thing is uh inside of GameForge, if you've ever used uh if you've actually searched, we actually have a metal category. And that's kind of like toughness drills. These are drills that we've created that will will stress out a player um and try to kind of make them uncomfortable to perform. Um and and uh, you know, I have a couple favorites in there, but I'll let Mark get are there any metal drills that you can think of that you know, that you like to assign to a player that might, might be a little, a little more uh, swagger than, than skilled and maybe bring them down to earth and maybe to listen a little bit. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> it's, it's, it, there's, there's different ones for somebody has too much swagger than if somebody doesn't have enough swagger, That's you know, true. like, like occasionally I'll, I'll tell you a, a quick story is occasionally in the past I've taught like um, some national teams, like men's national teams from other countries, where everybody there is a good player, they're top 10 player, top five player for their country. They tend to be like, you know, 18 to 25, 28 year old men, boys, whatever. And a lot of them are there because our coach told them to come take an aim. You know, the coach said, we're going to learn aim point, just come and do it. And half of them be like, whatever, dude, I'm a good player. And they were overconfident. And my favorite thing to do in that case was give them a putt that I knew they were going to misread badly, like give them a 20 foot four percent side hill slope and they and they they didn't even sniff the right read and so in that rare situation I would actually put them in a situation where I knew they were going to fail and fail badly just to kind of wake him up to you know I know you think you're really good but this is a pretty straightforward read and you weren't even weren't even remotely close to the right read on it um generally though what I'm dealing with people is uh they're not strong enough mentally you know, especially as people are growing up and they're, the juniors tend to be a little less secure about their, their game and their putting. Um, and so I'd like to put them in situations that's really going to test them and, uh, and possibly make them cry. And I made two or three people cry before, um, not because the way that I talked to them, but because of just putting them in a very stressful situation. So my favorite one for that was, is the guillotine drill, which I know, Brian, you know, that's the one I've made people cry on. Um, and that's a, it's a really hard thing. So you don't want to do it too often. Um, but it's basically you have to hit nine putts uh, from four feet. Uh, if that's too easy, you got to go to five feet. But start at four feet, um, f- nine different putts. And the only key is every time you miss, you got to back up three feet. So if you miss the four footer, you go to seven feet. If you miss that, you go to 10 feet. If you miss that, you go to 13. Uh, you know, I never go for much farther back than 15 or 16 feet because it just gets impossible. And then every time you make it, you go forward. So you, so every miss goes back, every make goes forward. And if you make all your four footers, it's a piece of cake. But as soon as you start missing, man, it's, it gets really stressful. And you see people start to mentally break down. You see their process break down. You see their speed changing, their timing changes, their process gets different. Um, their facial expression changes. And that's a really good way to say, well, what happens when you're under pressure and you're losing in match play, or you've got to birdie the last hole to win, or you have to par the last three holes to win, or whatever it is, just now the stress is on. 
um, that brings it out pretty nicely. And you can really see people change when you do that drill. So that's, that's one of my favorite, one of my students' least favorite. Yeah, no, I, I love that one. Cause again, it, it, the, the process of, I actually had a collegiate player do that drill and um, she was killing it. She went through the first, she actually played 18. She went through the first 17 holes, made every putt, uh, got to 18, dropped her ball, just knew she was going to make it, missed it, looked back, and then what the actual contour of the green did at about two feet behind her ball. Uh, It took her, I think, an hour and 20 minutes to solve the up and back on that one hole. You know, to her credit, she did it. I gave her the pass. You can leave. And she's like, no, I started this. I'm going to finish this. But it took her an hour and 20 minutes to work this little zone just because she chose poorly where to drop because she, she chose, thought she was going to yeah. make it. And, yeah. you know, she didn't think it all the way out. Um, I think yeah, I, uh, yeah, well, I'll, well uh, just, just as an example of how good players can be, and, and I rarely say players' names, but I did this with Lydia Ko, uh, you know, three or four years ago. And we did a four feet. It was too easy. So we moved to five feet. It took her 54 putts to miss from five feet. And the game, it was actually her favorite drill. We did it every day at the end of our session. But it got so easy for her that we started doing the cup producer. So we'd put a cup producer in from five feet, and she'd have to do it from five feet and still blow through it. And then I had one of those uh, balls that's got the stick through the middle, through the equator. So you've got to hit it pure. Otherwise, it won't go more than about two feet. And then we did it with a cup producer and the stick ball. And that's how that's how hard we had to make it for her to do this drill. Otherwise, it was just too easy. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I think uh, my my favorite of the metal drills is Hydra. Um, same same kind of principle. Um, basically, you go around and make your putts. You can start at three feet, four feet, five feet, whatever that distance is that you want to challenge your player. Uh, and as long as they make their putts, you're done. It, it's cake. But as soon as they miss a putt, Hydra shows up. You know, Hydra's a mythical beast. If you cut off its head two heads appear um so basically you miss your three footer um two balls show up for your next three footer and then if you miss another three footer another ball shows up and then you continue to a certain ball count i usually do about six balls because more than six balls don't fit in a cup very well so if you go past the six ball limit it's over but that the, the same concept of it's amazing to watch a player when when pressure starts to mount when balls start adding you know, they have to now hit multiple good putts and, and just to watch them coming in and out of their process. Uh, it's the only way, unless as a coach, if you're not actually out there following them on tour, following them in tournaments out there physically watching them, you've got to create situations where you get to see how they react. So, again, yeah, that's, those are the yeah. metal drills. Yeah, and, there, and there's lots of them out there, but but you're right. I mean, sitting there and hitting – hitting some little putts, you know, from three feet or whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't create stress. It's not realistic. You know, you can evaluate some skills, but it's not golf. You know, yeah. if you're playing competitive golf, that's not it. And so as, as short game coaches, we've got to be creative about how do we induce stress and competition so that we really have a better idea of what's really happening when they're playing versus when we're in a sterile environment. Very good. So, uh, well, now we're going to, we'll move back away from the hole a little bit. We'll look at short game, uh, Putting took a while, so I don't know if we'll get through all of it today. We could uh, talk. We could do two hours on putting. <laughs> I was about to say this might become a two or three part series. Yeah. Um, so we're going to kind of look at short game and what are some you know what are some of the key areas inside a short game. When I think of short game, again, I always think of assessments, performance. What is my opportunities, which are my P sixes, and then what is my scrambling rate? So those are you know opportunity versus conversions. Um, but what you know is we again if we take putting. 
and we say, you know, here's, here's kind of how you putt well. You got to read speed line. Well, what are those parts in short game? Well, one would be carry distance. Can I control carry? Uh, the other would be, you know, trajectory control. You know, can I control the height that merges with carry? And then, I, you know, from that, we can do some other things like good contact and all that. So, so really looking performance-wise through trajectory and carry distance and even a couple maybe metal drills. Is there any – I know you do mainly putting, Mark, but is there some stuff that you do with putting, maybe with chipping with reeds or even um, chipping, you know, getting them to understand P6 and working on short putts? What are some of your favorites? Yeah, yeah I'll definitely do assessments. You know, I'd say my standard uh, – my first standard uh, P6 slash putting drills, we go off the green uh, with four balls. Uh, hit, we might hit from the same line to four different holes, and, they're, and they have to get up and down three out of four. So we're really looking at their P6. So some will be short, easy ones. Some will be, you know, over a mound and down the hill. Some will be 30 yards out. But basically just drop four balls, hit to four putts, four holes on the putting green and go finish them all out. You got to put them, you got to put them all out. But our goal is three out of four up and downs. Um, and then the other ones uh, that, that I like doing um, is when we're, uh, I think you, I don't know if you brought it up yet, but, but when you're hitting the same lie, but hitting different shots out of the same lie. Yeah. So high, medium, low trajectories. Can you control trajectory? And what you find with the younger players is they they don't control trajectory. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's all over the place. You know, when you actually say, okay, now hit a high shot, high soft shot close to the hole or or a lower shot farther from the hole, let it run out. Now your read has to be different because if it's going to run out 15 yards, it's a different read than if it's going to run out 10, 10 feet. Um, so I like that a lot. And then I like just moving around and giving multiple different lies to the same hole. And we're always back to our, if it's reasonable, you know, our goal is three out of four. Uh, we can live at 50%, but our goal is really three out of four. No, I, I love that. And I, I think, again, the, you know, to me, the concept of short game is, you know, to me, it's very difficult to describe short game to a lot of players because short game is something that's not trained very well. To me, when you're on the putting green, you're trying to be a robot. You're trying to create the same stroke, trying to create the same parameters, get this read, do everything very similar, and create the same thing. Um, full swing, nowadays, not many players shape every shot. They tend to hit their stock shot 80 90% of the time. So we're very robotic off the tee boxes and with a lot of approach shots. I think the artistry or the, the, the creativity, the, only, the last bastion was short game. Um, so I think building someone's short game, um, is really difficult because there's not a way to do it. Um, you know, if, if all I can do is get my hands forward, play back in my stance, that's great for a shot, but like, you know, long chip, it's great. But if I got to go high soft, that's not set up for that. So the, the skill set of, of, of the actual short game player is really challenging because there's so many skills, there's so many variables and I have to hit a variety of shots to be able to capitalize on that P6 number, you know? So, yeah. so to me, I think the artistry and the technique piece. So again, if we're talking, taking big bites out of the apple, how can I get better by just starting to understand short game and starting to build a game that, or I can hit multiple shots, you have a huge advantage on the field. And that's even at the tour level, not on the men's side, but even on the women's side, there's a big, I think there's a big gap short game wise um, compared to the men's side professionally. And, it, you know, people say strength, and I don't believe that. I think it's just their their concept of what short game is and how to do it. I think anybody can be a good putter. I think anybody can be a good short game player. Not everybody can hit it like Bryson. It's just not going to happen. So, but but I can – Not everybody the, can put on 30 pounds of muscle in three months either. Well, yeah, that's true. Or be, be scared of ants. Anyways, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that was terrible. 
Hey, ants are much stronger for, for, for their size than humans. Relatively. That's right. So Bryson was scared they were going to pick him up and move him. If that was a 250-pound ant, he would have had a big problem. He would have had a monster <laughs> problem. <laughs> but, but, but again, going back to short game, that, that, that concept of, of how to do that. So kind of like Mark said, uh, I'm a firm believer, and you know, I, I teach a lot of short game, is if I'm working on technique, it's okay to sit in one spot. You know, if I'm working on moving the club, it's fine. Um, if I'm working, I can also stay in one spot if I'm hitting a variety of shots. So I can hit it low, medium, high, and those would be my trajectory games inside the system, uh, three by three, four by four, and five by five. Those are kind of your trajectory games where you don't move. So I hit it low, <coughs> I hit it medium, I hit it high, I hit a flop would be your four by four, and a five by five would be all four of those, and you hit a low spinner. So again, it's starting to understand how to flight the ball and how to create spins and, and do what you want to do. So to me, trajectory control is huge. Majority of players I work with have a flight, maybe two, but not enough to be able to attack the green and really, you know, to compensate. Um, carry drills, you know, again, being able to control distance is really, you know, trajectory, we're talking about landing angles and how the ball is going to roll out. But, you know, if I don't carry it the right distance, I can hit the perfect trajectory. If it's not the right distance, it's not going to end up near the hole. So, again, those carry drills are really, really important. You know, you can do chip to a towel, to a coin. Uh, but, again, so to me, like putting, you know, if I'm performing and I'm hitting my numbers and scrambling in P6, uh, just keep doing what you're doing. But if there's big gaps, we've got to solve that. If it's out of a lie condition, if it's short-sighted, is it – high soft is it low running like we've got to figure out what those components are and how to get better and that can only be done with assessments so i know in game forge i just added p6 uh, core drill and a scrambling drill and it actually says here's your lies you know basically go hit your lies and your your goal is 50 percent p6 and 60 percent scrambling um and and you kind of do the two drills together and it gives you all and if you're hitting those numbers it's great now i could overperform and kind of hide something but you know go back and reflect where am i what am i doing but that that concept of short game is to me i hate putting practice personally i love chipping because i'm doing something different every shot it's never the same putting it's same it's the same it's the same yeah, so, there's a so, lot lot a lot more dynamic as soon as you get off yeah. the green isn't it? and and coaching wise i love coaching short game because putting i've seen so many putters and you know i i categorize you usually within about three or four shots or four putts i kind of know how we want to kind of improve here's how to read here's some speed like it's just kind of this is how we do it but short game is just to me is a lot more fun because it's it's a lot more creative. Uh, probably my favorite drill, and this is under the metal drills, is I call it 10 degrees of variance. So we'll pick a chip, and I'll say, do 10 things different on purpose, and we're going to hit the same cup. Do 10 things on purpose with this club, or you can even change it, but you have to do 10 things completely different and end up P6 or better. And, and to me, that's the most fascinating because the majority of players, they never get to 10, not out the gate. They might – I've had some as low as two. They hit two chips and they're like, <laughs> okay, I'm done. And I've, you know, I can you get. can't do the, that drill with putting. That's the problem. <laughs> that's right. And then Dude, we go. Maybe three with putting if you're really good. <laughs> and then, like, some of the better players will get five or six and they'll kind of look at me at one point and go, okay, what else do I have? And then we'll kind of go, well, you know, you can simply do this, like, change, you know, choke up, change hand position, change shoulder pitch, change clubs, change face angle. Like, there's. It's not hard to get to 10, is it? but the cool part is you do it, 
you, you set your variance or whatever it's going to be, and then you call what is going to happen. Like, I'm going to open the face. It should do this. And then they hit it. Did it do what you thought it was? No, it did completely opposite. Well, why is that? Yeah. You know, so, so to me, that's the perfect learning environment because you're, you're, you're physically setting up a shot. You're calling what it's going to do and you're learning from it immediately. You're getting instant feedback. And then if it doesn't do what we do, well, let's hit another one and see if it does it again. Oh, two in a row. Uh, we're starting to see a trend. Let's hit another one. Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now we're now it's doing the same thing. Why is that? Maybe it spins more. Maybe it spins less. So I think that ten degrees variance, to me, and you can do this with approach shots and all that too, is just starting to understand that there's a lot of control that I have, and I can make subtle adjustments to kind of again to create that nuance for me to hit my P six number. Yeah, I like that. There's there's. There's a lot more you can do with short game. There's endless, endless drills, I think, when you get off the green. Yeah, no, and and like I said, pretty much everyone I meet tends to have a shot, and it it tends to be a guy that wrote a Bible on short game. Hands are forward, big angle of attack, um, low runners, you know, hitting little bullets across the green, and that's the person when you kind of go, all right, now hit me a high soft one, and they just kind of go, that was yeah, high now saw. you're short-sighted in the rough. <laughs> that was high. What's she going to do? <laughs> you just hit me the kneecap. That was high. Saw. Uh, but again, I think it's just, it's just that concept of, uh, you know, understanding what you can do to hit certain shots. And to me, I think, you know, as a coach, I find short game very rewarding because um, you can actually take a really good player, build a kind of a system for them and then watch them just, you know, I, I think my favorite story, and I'm sure Elsie won't mind, Lauren Coglin played for us at Virginia. Um, she used to chip, uh, wasn't the most proficient chipper, but she did all right. Um, you know, we kept trying to push pieces, push pieces, and she was resistant. Finally, it was like, all right, my short game is not good enough. Uh, so in college, we kind of, you know, we got away from the big shaft lean. You know, we got her to be a little more neutral, start to, you know, shallow out the club earlier and all this stuff. And in the beginning, like, I would chip against her. And I would throw matches in the beginning, you know, you know, I want her to win. I want to build confidence. She's going to be playing next week or the week after. So she'd have these huge comebacks. And after about two weeks, uh, I wasn't giving her anything. After about yeah. three weeks, I was like, I can't catch her. And <laughs> so, but again, you know, she was a, a really good talent, took to it, trained hard. But again, that, 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 that maturing process just for her, it was a three or four week change, but it completely changed her entire short game and went from, where I would give her matches to the point where three, four weeks later, I was like, well, I just, I'm not chipping with you anymore. Go chip with someone yeah. so and so because I, I'm not competitive enough for you. But that's a but pretty it, short, that's a short, that's a pretty short time period. Yeah, no, she's, you know, she's, she plays on tour. She's an athlete, you know, yeah. you know, she's, she's the one percenter, <laughs> you know, that yeah. she took to it. You know, I have a lot of juniors that might take six months. Um, but again, you know, I think, once you kind of break down that the the idea of you know not everything is this way to do it, and you start to understand, get them to understand what's happening and what the results are from it, um, I think you can become a really good chipper pretty quickly. You know, I think you can become a pretty good putter pretty quickly as well if you get the right advice and you kind of build a, a system to get there. I think the short game is the same way, just like full game. I I don't think it's something that takes years. Um, I think it's something that is very quick and you, you know, it's experimental and you learn from it, but the basics are very simple. Um, so if anyone needs short game work out there, go find a really good short game instructor. I I promise it'll probably pay off more than getting the next new best driver 
And yeah, no doubt. Company's going to be sitting out. I actually, I actually had a lesson this morning with a high school, good high school player, and they said, you know, can you recommend recommend somebody for short game? And I go, in the entire United States, there's maybe three people who only do short game, and none of them are in Florida that I'm aware of. Unless and I'm they all live in trailers and eat beans. And I go, and they are all poor. <laughs> 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 they're all doing they're all selling something on the side they're all got a pyramid scheme going on the side to try to make money <laughs> they're selling they're selling real estate right now right they're flipping <laughs> houses or they're selling masks right now <laughs> selling masks selling n95s <laughs> uh yeah but it's hard because that's such a that's such a massive it's such an important skill set and there's not a lot of people that really specialize in that you know there's a lot of coaches i think who do that stock you know, you're a stock shot and that's kind of it and never gets much, never get much deeper into it than that. And I think that's, that's holding back a lot of players. Yeah. And, and I guess the other, the probably my other favorite drill that I really torment people with, especially people that are used to being really steep, um, you know, kind of big angle of attack in is I create a, what we call chunky chips. So I purposely have them chunk shots and still have to hit really good chip shots. And there's only one way to do that. You got to be able to shout out the club, kind of bounce into it. And you actually hit really good shots, but you purposely are hitting two inches behind the ball. Um, but if you're doing that with an angle of attack, um, they learn pretty quickly that angle of attack does not work good when you're trying to hit chunky chips. Um, yeah. So, you know, so the, the beauty of a lot of the drills in the system, they're not really there technique-wise to show you this is how to do it. It's just saying, here's a drill. Can you do it? And if you can't, there's the question. Why can't I succeed here? Yeah, a lot of them are more on the assessment side. Yeah. You know, you know I, and, I look, you've got to yeah. figure out what's what's preventing is is a is a, a technique problem. Is it you just fundamentally don't understand the dynamics of it? it you know, what is it? And that's and where it, that's where the coach that's where the coach should kick in. No, I agree, and I think that's really why the, the the essence of our system is really to get them to reflect, think about what's happening, and then go find that answer. Um, and and again, that's where coaching is important, or for a player, that's for them to ask questions of other players that might do it well. But now be careful on asking players on what they're doing because it can oh, be very <laughs> careful. Very again, careful. <laughs> that, that that reflection part is part of training. Like if I did not do it, the answer is why did I not? And let's try to figure that out. Now, again, you can create a decision tree off of that. My chipping's not good enough. Was it carry? Was it trajectory? Was it contact? Was it just skill? You know, what? where was my fault? And now, now let me pursue that way opposed to just not knowing or – trying to chase the wrong component so um so yeah so on the short game side uh i would definitely challenge uh a lot of your orthodoxy on what you're actually doing um maybe what you've been taught might not be the best way of doing it um you can definitely reach out to us i know a couple short game coaches about seven of us around the world um around the world <laughs> no there's probably more not, than that, not in central virginia <laughs> around the world <laughs> central virginia i think i'm the only one i'm pretty sure yeah. of that uh but but I'm sure there's a lot more, and if you are one, let us know, and uh, I'll refer you. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be on the short list immediately. <laughs> immediately, you'll be you could become one of the world's best. You become top ten the second you send an email to them. <laughs> you'll move right up the list. Um, but again, to me, uh, you know, putting and short game again, as we talk juniors, collegians, even a lot of mini tours that's the gap that majority of players are really behind and they really need to close the gap. So like I said, as a coach, you know, you can still be a really good full swing coach. 
but if they're using you for multiple parts, make sure that you've got the skill set enough to kind of move them in the right direction. And also to be able to tell them, you know, you've reached my expertise limit. Maybe, you know, there's a guy down the road, well, way down the road, like 17 yeah. states over that right. can actually help <laughs> you with that. Um, but again, just uh, have that concept of this is where I need to get my player better. And, you know, like I said, inside the system with next level, it really shows you. I don't see too many ball striking people light up with the better players I talk with. Um, I rarely see ball striking light up. I tend to see yeah. short game or putting. Short, really. it's short, it's yeah, it's one of the two, if not both, but it's usually one of the two that's lighting up red. And then, uh, so wow, we're already looking at about forty minutes right now. Mark. I know we could, we could, we could just do one of these a week almost. All right, so let's do this. We'll we'll come back to wedges and long game. I think the other really cool part that I think is kind of underutilized in the system is a lot of on course drills. Um, you know, I think we we train with on the course is like we go play, but we don't train on there. So um, I think that's an area that to me is the most important because you can simulate golf easily by being on the golf course. <laughs> yeah, it's revolutionary. It's surprising how that works, isn't it? <laughs> Instead of sitting in a room, but I know a lot of coaches, you have difficulties and maybe the way you're you're stuck indoors or, or things along that line. Well, it's hard to, it's, you know, frankly, like I was out on the golf course this morning but, you know, we had to start at nine. We had to go on the back. We had to start on the 12th hole and stay in front of play. You go out at midday and you're in a normally busy golf course. It's really hard to do yeah. an on-course lesson. I've been putting, so we're just going to the green or maybe hitting a wedge shot on then putting out. So we go pretty fast. Um, but it can be hard to, to fit yourself in the, in the rotation. No, I agree. And I, but I think, again, the, the fascinating part about the way that I like to use on-course is I like to think about tournaments that are coming up and I try to simulate what I can. Um, I had a player that I talked to yesterday or the day before about par five scoring. Um, they were underachieving and they're like, well, I'm not sure how to play it. And I said, fine, go play nine holes today. Play every par four as a, as a short go for it um, situation. So you can either tee it up and tee it up as a short par four or go drop it in the fairway or the rough and whatnot and just get comfortable with the ripping three woods and utilities <laughs> trying to reach greens, starting to change that mindset. So I think that, and then again, if, if I know my par five's coming up, I try to simulate those distances when I'm playing to get ready for what they are. And if I can, you know, I can kind of shape what that looks like. Again, training for what I'm preparing for. Um, so I think that's where on course is the most powerful is I can actually kind of simulate and get ready for what I'm going to see. I think that's probably something golf that's not utilized very well. Yeah, um, yeah. Every other sport on earth, like I played football up through high school, um, you prepared for what you were going to see. You didn't prepare for a defense that didn't exist. Like you prepare for what you were going to see. I think, you know, we in golf think we're, you, you know, utility unionized. We just prepare for everything. Well, yeah. I mean, golf, the, the attitude in golf, even at the highest levels tends to be, I'll figure it out when I get there on Tuesday. Yeah. I'll go, I'll get there Tuesday. I'll play a practice round or two and I'll figure it out then with l very little thought leading into that. I, I, I've seen that at very high levels of golf. Yeah, so I kind of agree. I would even say, you know, collegiately the practice round I thought was kind of a waste of time. You know, God, if anybody's ever been a collegiate coach, you knew a practice round would take five and a half to seven hours. Okay. So I'm short attention span theater. After about an hour and a half, I'm everywhere mentally, and most of our players are too. So, again, just understanding that you can actually prep, be prepared, um, train your skills, your densities, 
um, kind of challenge yourself with par five training. Um, you can do, uh, you know, you can actually react to the last event and fix stuff. If I have two or three weeks in between events, what were my par fives like? What could I have done different? Was there a shot I didn't have? Let's try to find that. So I think again, on the course training gives you that, that little bit of play, um, a little bit of change. And then I have the good fortune. My son's learning golf. Um, we got his swing functional. It's good enough. He's hitting the ball good enough. So we're just, I'm not on the range with him at all. We're just doing stuff on the golf course, simulating lie, like drop it in the rough. What do you got to change? Like to be able to get good contact, what are you going to do? Let him swing one. Well, that wasn't good enough. What, what can we change to get that better? So we're actually teaching him how to play golf on the golf course, uh, which is, again, I think for a lot of players, it might not be, you know, it can be difficult. But again, I think you need to find that, that harmony of being able to do that with a player. Cause the only way you really learn to play golf is to play golf, you know? Yeah. If not, everybody that played at, you know, the, at the bar with all the light up stuff in the fairway, you know, people are hitting stuff all the time. Those guys would all be on tour, but I don't think I've seen one on tour yet. Um, so, so that concept of being a good ball striker, being this component or this, you know, you've got to go play the sport. You know, you can't be a good basketball player without competing and playing basketball, just making three, free throws and shooting three pointers doesn't make you a good basketball player. Just make yeah. The other shoot. thing that I like about getting on course with putting is I'll, I'll go to all the most difficult, weirdest putts on the course. And we're just learning from, we're, we're learning from experience, filling in the gaps of here's a, here's a, here's a bunch of corner cases. Here's a grain issue. Here's an obstacle illusion. Here's a, here's a bowl shape. Here's a whatever. And you're, you're, you're not going to get all those on the putting green. Right. So, uh, so we won't get most of them on the putting green. <laughs> Very much so. Especially if it's uh, a practice green or a war, sorry, a warm up green. Like the yeah, one that's on flat. That, I think a lot of warm up greens are actually starting to go to 1% green. So they're really long and boring and can't really exactly. do anything. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as we're going to wrap up today's show, we'll do long game and wedges and we can maybe bring that back next week or the week after. Um, sorry, this took up more time than we thought, but we bloviated a little too long. Uh, <laughs> But but to, before we end today, I'm going to give Mark a challenge. He doesn't know this oh, is coming. Oh, no. Here we go so again. I actually, this morning, I – Well, you know, well, JT finally won. I've been calling JT for five weeks. And you he called finally Sergio won last week. week. Just, you called just, Sergio last I just week. want that on the record. You called Sergio last week. No, that was the random pull. But That's I didn't call JT because you, you gave me a hard time saying, you're just going to call JT again. I'm like, <laughs> all right, fine. I'll call somebody else. Well, you should randomize give it. it. Any, I just think young, I need some credit for it. That's all. Any any youngsters that are listening to this, you should not cave into peer pressure. That's what Mark just taught you. Yeah, he I would have stuck cave. to his guns. He would have won. I still cave into peer pressure. All right, so here, <laughs> you do. Uh, so yeah, here we go. Don't we know? I've I actually went and looked for hot takes on Twitter, and tell me what PGA professional said this. I tried to find LPGA players, but oh, nobody man. said anything. No hot take rise. Ready? That, so here, that's assuming here, I watch TV. You'll you'll get this concept. Let's see if you can guess it. All right, this all right, one. all right. Hey. B.D. Shambeau, I feel you, buddy. I asked if ants were burying animals in the PGA Championship a few years ago. It didn't work for me either. Ha ha. Who said that? Bubba Watson. Yeah, it was Bubba. How'd you know? Well, seriously? Uh, yeah. Yes. Are you kidding me? No. Oh, July my God. July 30th. <laughs> I, I, that was just first instinct. I wasn't even going to give you people to choose from, but you nailed it. All right. Dang, I'm better at this than I thought. All right, next one. All right, one. here's another one. Ready? Here's a quote from my dad when I asked him a bit of wisdom about his 85th birthday. Getting old is the – Beeps. <laughs> getting old is the – you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's better than not getting old. 
<laughs> Who said that? Who said that? Talking to his father, who's 85, so you know he's got to be an older golfer. Jim Furyk. No. He's a left-hander. Mickelson? Yes, Phil said that. Oh. His dad said it's it sucks getting old, but it's better than not. <laughs> My dad always said getting old's not for wimps. That's right. All right, here's the final one. This one was actually back before the AT&T. Um, he, this, this pro said, I really think I've done a good job now embracing the struggle. This player dropped out of the top of the world uh, golf rankings. Who said it? I really think I've done a good job now embracing the struggle. Speeth. It was Jordan Spieth. Yes. Very good. Two for, Two for three. three. That's pretty impressive. I even had, like, golfers that I would have given you A, B, or C. You didn't wow. even Wow. <laughs> wow. And I don't read that. Like, I don't read much golf media, frankly. Well, you I know the hard part. I TV, but I don't, I don't read a whole lot because it's just kind of all the same, frankly. <laughs> well, no, that was the hard part. Like, literally, I thought, oh, I'll just go put in hot takes on the people. Like, now, granted, I give these guys kudos. Twitter is designed for you to use as a megaphone and not as yeah. a place to argue with people. So the PGA guys credit your Twitter accounts are so boring. Yeah. <laughs> You're using it perfectly. <laughs> so trying to find three quotes was a nightmare. Well, uh, I, I was going to say, I was impressed you came up with three because I haven't heard any of those three. It, like literally I thought it was going to take me a minute and I probably researched for over an hour and I almost gave up. You're Wow. <laughs> Well, I asked, I asked a player once, like 10 years ago, I was talking to a, a, a tour player. who was probably, he's over 50 now. I was old enough for Champions Tour, Seniors Tour now. And he goes, I go, why is it that, you know, so many golf interviews are so dry and boring? He goes, no, we're taught that. He goes, we're actually taught on the tour to not, you know, be too flamboyant and say crazy stuff. They actually instructed us, at, at least at one point in time, to just be like, yeah, I was really proud of my round today. I think I played well. I just hope I play well again tomorrow. I'm going to do my best. Yeah, no. Blech. Yeah, exactly. Well, Most boring yeah. interview in the world, but that's what, kind of how they were instructed. All right, we'll finish with a joke, and it's not a Jamie joke about a bull on a hill. Oh, um, good. This, this joke, it says, uh, when, when uh, Bryson DeChambeau was a child, what was his favorite cartoon to watch and why? It's a joke? Yeah, it's a joke. I don't know. It was the Pink Panther because he loved the theme song, Dead Ant, Dead Ant, Dead Ant, Dead Ant. <laughs> yeah, you heard, it, you heard it first and last year. Did you make that up or did you get that online somewhere? No, it was a, it was a joke when I was a kid, so I just applied it to the, oh, oh, to the you, Fearless uh, Warrior. You modified it. <laughs> the man that takes on ants. All five of them. Little red ones. So uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us this weekend in the hunt. Um, we, we will actually finish this part out with wedges and long game and some more insight um, about how to train and performance-wise. But if you have any questions or concerns or concepts you want spoken of, please let us know. Uh, thank you for your time, and we look forward to speaking to you in the near future. Thank you. Thank you for joining the hunt.